Welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello and welcome to the SDR Data Lab. I'm Jamie Lane, Chief Economist at AirDNA, and I'm joined again with my co-host, Perley Walls. Perley, you have told me that we are going to do a special podcast today. Can you explain to our listeners what it is and how this is going to go on this special day? Yes. Well, to start with, I think it's important to call out that this is the podcast's first birthday. So it's been live for 12 months as of today, and I thought a great way to celebrate would be to cover 12 major topics that have happened in the last year, because it's been a pretty crazy year. Are you up for it? I am. So is this like on the bigger pockets, how they announce what episode it is each time? And we're finally to episode 52? We are to episode 52, and I think now that we're kind of grown-up podcasters, we can probably keep going with it. Yeah. I I know I've learned a lot about podcasting, though I still feel like a novice, but one of those things that they say, and you get through the first couple of weeks and it, it, you feel like you got to keep going. And I, I feel like we, we got to keep going now, right? We do. I keep, I'm constantly thinking of things to ask you that I know our listeners are always curious about. So let's get started. All right. All right. Coming in at number one, AirDNA launched a podcast a year ago. Why? <laughs> It's a great question. <laughs> I, I actually ask myself that question pretty often. Uh, but it goes back to one, we want to meet people where they're at in terms of cons consuming content. Like we write blogs, we write articles, we sort of dig deep into the data and we, and we heard it from people that they don't always just want to read the content. They don't want to have to dig through the data themselves. They're like, Jamie, you've got such a soothing voice. Just tell me what's happening <laughs> in the data. Uh, try to make it interesting while you're at it. Uh, so one, just I mean, we know podcast is a, a pretty big trend out there. People are listening. I know I've got about 20 that I listen to on a regular basis. Uh, so wanting to produce the content through that uh, lens. And then two is there's so many great guests out there. Uh, and a lot of the interviews, especially with sort of the founders, the revenue managers, the sort of people digging in uh, at these companies, like the interviews were all around their founding stories or what they're doing at the company, what they're doing next. And what I was most interested in is sort of the data. I mean, how were they leveraging data in their day-to-day -day business? What metrics were they digging into that maybe we could all learn from? So being able to talk with some of the movers and shakers in this business and dive into what are they looking at to run their business on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's review scores, um, income metrics. I mean, we've gone through so many different sort of metrics on this podcast that people have sort of enlightened me to. And it's actually gave me a lot of new ideas in terms of what we can add into AirDNA's future products as well. Ooh, a little bit of a teaser for some of the numbers to come, but I, I love that idea. And I, I find that in, in today's media, being able to listen to something while you're multitasking, cooking dinner or driving to work is, is just a nice way because as a marketer, I'm sorely aware that people very rarely read things anymore. So I, so I love the expansion and I think it's allowed, you know, a lot of people like, like me to be able to learn a lot more about all the data behind all the amazing decisions that we're making. Yep. 
So let's keep it moving. Number two, last fall, the Airbnb bust narrative really started gaining traction. And a year later, we're still talking about it, but you've consistently cited data that tells a little bit of a different story. Yeah. And I actually recently tweeted and something relative to this and getting sort of reconciling sort of what we're hearing on Twitter, what sort of the Airbnb bust narrative is around of, and it really focused around uh, anecdotal data points of sort of taking screen grabs of hosts of investors on these sort of Facebook groups uh, and saying like, ah, my bookings are down 20% this year. Like there's a bust in this business that's happening and that's going to sort of continue to play out. And what we know is that not all listings are performing the same. People do not have I'm the same quality. They're not making the same pricing decisions. They're not I'm sort of adjusting strategies as this market evolves. And what it means is that different properties are seeing different impacts in their business. So like I'm, the tweet I was uh, referencing that I'm, analysis that we just did was looking at a market like Gatlinburg and looking at the range of year-over-year performance for properties in that market. So on average, the market was seeing rev par declines of about 7%. And the median there is about 9%, so in the middle. So half the property seeing declines of greater than 9%, half seeing less or even positive. We saw 25% of listings in that market actually seeing an increase. So the point there being like, yes, in any market, you're going to be able to go in and dig in and find people sort of operating um, less than average. So seeing bigger declines, uh, but it's it's important to look at the entire data, look at uh, the market as a whole, look at the industry as a whole uh, to get a sense of sort of the broad trends that are happening there. And no, not everyone's seeing 40% declines in revenue, but are there some? Um, yes. And are there some that need to either make changes to their property, adjust their just pricing strategies, and pay more attention to the reviews that they're getting, how they can sort of market their platform, their property on different channels. There's all these things you can do to make improvements to your property. Um, and I think and one of the uh, themes that we have is around continual investment and um, growth. Well, I'm glad you brought up that, that b- the bigger picture because it does take us to number three which is related to number two. I want to talk about the short-term rental revenue for the past year. $68 billion in U.S. short-term rental revenue, $172 billion globally. How does that match up with what the Airbnb bus story is telling? Yeah, one is that the overall pie is growing. There's more people staying in short-term rentals than ever before. There's more money being earned in short-term rentals than ever before. But what we're seeing is also more people want to become part of this industry, Uh, more people learning about it, more people learning about the returns that could be earned from being a short-term rental investor, and which sort of led to the significant supply growth that we saw last year, more and more hosts. There's now over 4.3 million hosts globally on Airbnb, Uh, and Airbnb as a platform is earning record revenues. Uh, $9 billion that the company earned uh, last year, almost $70 billion in gross booking value. That's billion with a B. Uh, so this industry is more and more becoming mainstream. Uh, more and more travelers are looking to short-term rentals for different types of stays. And that's what and gets me excited every day, is that we're part of a growing and um, evolving industry that 
And there's so many new companies sort of being and started every day, whether they're a tech company like ours, sort of helping hosts in the space or just hosts starting their own companies. And if you have a short-term rental, you're renting it out, you've got a company and you need data to run that company. And and yeah, it's it's just exciting to see all the excitement around this uh, sector. You surprised me, Jamie Lane, an economist being excited about all the data. <laughs> Let's move on to number four. Another major change this year was interest rates on home mortgages. What's the short story on how this infect, uh, how this affected short-term investments in particular? Yeah, and there's no getting around the fact that borrowing costs have gone up in the housing market uh, and really across and all forms of debt. And we're a, in an industry, the housing market, that people generally use debt to support their investments. And the cost of debt three years ago was 2%. Two years ago, it was 3%. Last year, it was 6.5%. And now the average mortgage rate for a 30-year mortgage is up in 7.5%. So that has made it harder to find cash-flowing assets uh, given and if, if you have to finance it. It has meant that new investment has slowed. It has meant a lot of sort of pain for some companies in our sector of not seeing as much investment, not seeing as many transactions as they're seeing in the past. Um, and does mean slower growth in supply. But for all the of us out there that have properties, I see that actually as a good thing, as long as you're not really dependent on continuing to grow your inventory. Like for the properties that you're operating, less supply growth means less new competition. We're not seeing as much supply growth as we had in years past. Uh, we do see that slowing. And a big part of that is from the uh, higher interest rates. I'm I'm glad you brought up competition because you're leading me right into the next numbers. Each <laughs> one of your comments, Jamie. Cleaning fees topped the charts on social media conversations this year. A lot of people were really digging into why are my cleaning fees so high if I have to load the dishwasher and I have to load the laundry and I have to take out the trash, I might as well just stay in a hotel. So what is all the hubbub and how have things really changed from a year ago? Yeah, I would say this was by far the one of the biggest uh, media requests we got and behind the sort of Airbnb bust narrative of why are cleaning fees so high? And it sort of goes into three different sort of factors that we've been talking about. Uh, one is that the standard of cleanliness has just gone up. Like we've lived through now a global pandemic. And if you get to a property that's not property clean, properly cleaned, like you're going to feel different than maybe you would have in 2018, 2019. And that's you just can't get around that fact and that standards have gone up. The other thing sort of playing into the inflation narrative that we've seen this past year uh, is that labor costs have gone up, especially for lodging workers. And the biggest cost that goes into cleaning fees is labor. And if not... <laughs> And one of the and only costs that goes into cleaning is labor. And we've seen and in this past year, and the hourly wages for these uh, workers growing up almost 8% in 2021, another 10% in 2022, another 5% in 2023. So that that is working its way into increased cleaning fees. And just the notion that it costs more to clean a larger home. People were typically booking smaller homes in 2016, 2017, 2018. They were staying in condos in major cities. 
that shifted towards large two, three, four, five plus bedroom properties on the beach. And the costs associated with cleaning those properties is just different. So the average studio one bedroom has a cleaning fee of 50 bucks. The average five bedroom home has a cleaning fee of $250. And if you're equating those two in your head, it just seems like something's off. And, and we know it just, and the time and effort to clean the larger homes is, is significantly higher. So all that works into higher overall cleaning fees. We had seen a trend of more and more properties having a cleaning fee. So in the U.S., as of last year, 15% of properties had a cleaning fee or did not have a cleaning fee. And that has actually reversed and now 16.5% don't have a cleaning fee. So Airbnb has been saying or trying to convince people to lower or remove their cleaning fees. And we are seeing that starting to turn. So this could be in a trend we talk about more and more in the future of people going to all-in pricing, sort of including all those fees in their nightly rate, uh, where guests can just see one one nightly rate and not have to think about what that cleaning fee is. Well, don't skip ahead in the podcast, Jamie. We're not getting to next year's predictions just yet. <laughs> okay. Moving on to number six, we're halfway through, the viral tweet. Mm-hmm. This was something that was before my time at AirDNA, but everybody talks about it in our industry. So what was this tweet and why did everybody jump in? Yeah, so we did a, a whole episode on this, so I, I won't dig in too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, we recorded it, and we'll put it on the show notes of which one it was. It was an um, interview I, we did with uh, Demi, our um, CEO here at AirDNA. But essentially, this tweet by a, a housing analyst and went out that and short-term rentals were collapsing 40 50% across the country. Um, and it was going to lead to a complete uh, meltdown of the housing market. Um, so, so many things that we dug into on why just this isn't happening and the collapse in the housing market isn't going to happen either. But it, and it garnered almost 40 million views on Twitter. It led to me losing my voice um, in doing so many media, media interviews over a sort of seven day period and really combating misinformation. No, short-term rental revenues did not collapse by 50%. Uh, we still don't know how he actually got to those figures, but uh, it's it's not what we see in our data and it's not what really anyone else sees in their data either. So uh, sort of uh, fighting the good fight for the industry and combating sort of the, the narrative that, uh, or a negative narrative around our industry that uh, wasn't supportive to all the players in it. Yeah, you got to check your sources right? Before you jump into an argument. All right. I'm going to keep us moving along here because my next point here, number seven, was pretty significant for AirDNA. We acquired another company. We acquired Arrivalist, a well-known location intelligence platform for the tourism industry. What was the thought process behind expanding beyond short-term rental data? Yeah. And one is that and we see um, our investors, our clients, and across all our different client segments. So property managers, destination marketing organizations, um, short-term rental investors needing more data to make the decisions that they're going to do, um, that they need to make, um, and that they want more datable, data accessible through the same platforms. They want, don't want to have to go to multiple sites to get the information they need they want the data combined in a way to give new and innovative insights. 
And we saw that ability in Arrivalist to bring together traveler origin data, to bring together uh, marketing attribution, to bring and help people really understand how these markets are evolving, what the difference is between the types of travel, the types of lodging that people use and where they're spending their money. And that this long-term and the investment that we're going to be able to make in this space is going to be a, a big net benefit for the industry. And that AirDNA is looking to make more acquisitions in the future to sort of make this uh, um, and bring more data into one spot, bring more features into one spot. I won't make any preemptive announcements, but <laughs> stay tuned. Yes, you're, you're still, you're skipping ahead to my predictions, Jamie. <laughs> I love it. Um, I mean, it's it has been an exciting time getting to work with the Arrivalist team and really learn so much more about geolocation data and arrivals and all kinds of things. I'm, I'm really excited about the work that we will be coming out uh, with in the coming months uh, with their teams. Well, let's keep it moving. And number eight, inflation dropped to 3.7% from 8.2% last year. I personally am glad that airfare and eggs are back to reasonable prices, but there are larger implications. What are they? Yeah. And one is that and we just can't underestimate the impact that the Fed's Uh, the Federal Reserve's movements and uh, actions are taking on the overall economy. And a big piece of that was how high inflation was last year, uh, that it wasn't transitory, as many economists were sort of predicting, and that the Fed has had to react to those higher interest rates by trying to slow the economy, raising or higher inflation rates by raising interest rates and trying to slow overall economic growth. The fact now that inflation's at 3.7% is an amazing thing. (laughs) The work's not done yet. And we're still watching uh, sort of the figures on a month-to-month basis to make sure we're still in that downward trajectory. Hopefully that the Fed can pause in terms of not needing to raise interest rates even more. uh, And that we may be able to sort of navigate this soft landing that so many people are talking about and not actually go into recession. So it's one of the metrics that I'm watching most closely every month uh, to make sure we're still in that uh, that trajectory. Uh, and also it plays into our earning potential. So rates for short-term rentals were growing at 10% last year, uh, just like overall prices were. Now price growth has slowed substantially and ADRs are essentially flat. And like it or not, that is a piece of the overall pie that the Fed's looking at. So the fact that short-term rentals don't have as much pricing power is actually a positive signal to the Fed that they are actually able to and pause and, and slow the growth of, of interest rates and potential potentially be able to cut next year. That does lead me to the next one, which is the expected recession. So what actually happened? I'm I know you commented on this a lot, almost in every episode over the last <laughs> year. So, yeah, what's the what's the TLDR? Yeah, the TLDR is, and when we started the podcast, the uh, percent chance, and I think I pegged a recession over the next twelve months. <laughs> it may be fun if we can throw in a little clip here of like what I actually said on that first episode, uh, but I I think I said it's fifty fifty. Many economists were saying like 100% chance we're going into a recession. 
not many were actually say we were going to be able to stave off. I think I gave a in a slightly more optimistic view that there is a decent chance we're actually not going to be going into recession over the next year. And the reality is, is that we didn't. Uh, so m- many sort of talking heads say that we technically did because we saw two quarters of negative GDP. But I mean, the reality is, is we added I mean, 3.1 million jobs over the past year. Unemployment was 3.7% and as of last fall, it's 3.8% now. Like, uh, we're added 250,000 jobs on average every month. Like, this is a very strong economy, still adding and significantly um, more job growth. We're seeing GDP growth two plus percent. Like, we are not in a recession yet. And notice I said yet. <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> that yet. Because there's still a very high percent. A chance that we go into recession over the next year. So as of last year, I said there was a 50% chance over the next 12 months. I'm maybe a little bit more optimistic. I'd peg it at about 40% over the next 12 months, uh, but I'm 40% chance is still very high. And there's so many chances I'm that just something could go wrong. We could have a government shutdown. We could have I'm student loan repayments, and that sort of cause a pullback in consumer spending. We could co- see the war in Ukraine uh, flare back up. We could see a, a collapse in the Chinese economy. Uh, we could see a recession in Europe sort of infect what's going on in terms of economic growth in the U.S. Like, there's a lot of aspects out there that could pull, pull easily pull the economy into recession. Yeah, I mean, we never know what's going to happen, so. But I like our chances of 40% rather than 50. <laughs> and um, on to more good news. This year, AirDNA released something really big, the all-new AirDNA. What is different from last year? Yeah. And again, we did a, a whole podcast on this, um, interviewed my Colin Aaron um, a couple weeks ago. But if you went to the website last year and now went today, uh, you would see... Uh, <laughs> An entirely different view. Uh, we entirely changed our pricing model. So now you can get access to any market around the world uh, for a flat fee of just 15 bucks. So it is exciting for me. Uh, we've built new tools around discovering your next market for investment. Uh, and this was by far one of the biggest things I wanted to see implemented. Of uh, We always had sort of a tool that was built around, tell me what market you want to look at and we'll give you all the data. But as investing has changed, as these markets have changed, we need to make it easier for people to find their next market to invest in. And I feel like we've really done that uh, with this relaunch and then putting the data at your fingertips, not sort of forcing people to just subscribe to any one market, but giving you access to all the data you need to make an informed decision. Plus, it's just more fun. I love looking <laughs> around and finding, you know, these dream places that I might want to invest in in Greenland or, you know, the UK somewhere. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun. All right. Coming in at number 11, less happy, the New York City regulations. Yeah. This one I'm, is really recent. Uh, so as of September 5th, uh, new regulations went into sort of enforcement in New York, uh, which essentially banned short-term rentals in the city. Our stays less than 30 days uh, need to be 
um, registered and you're only going to get a registration if it's a home uh, that you're living in and sort of renting out a, a private room that cannot have locks on the doors and everyone has to have access to every place and uh, within that home and really restricts on what how people want to stay in a market like New York. Uh, so that is really disappointing. We've seen over an 80% decline in available short-term rental listings. Uh, we have seen a subsequent increase in long-term rental listings. So units are still there. Uh, they're just now only available for stays 30 days or longer. And we are seeing now an uptick in bookings in Jersey City and Newark and Long Island. There is displacement happening. Uh, but I think long-term, this is just not good for travelers. Uh, we're going to see rates going up higher for hotels in New York, and it's just going to be harder to and access the city, harder for uh, people to find affordable accommodations in that market. Yeah, which is a shame because you you know you, you're going to go to New York City for several days for sure, but not for not for a month for most travelers. But we have seen a slightly different change in across the market at large in hotels versus short term rentals. Um, twenty five point one percent of revenue was spent on that's not how we say it. Twenty five point one percent of dollars spent on lodging were going are going to short term rentals versus hotels, and that's up from twenty four point seven percent last year. So, how do you see guest preferences shaking out in combination with number eleven and the um, regulations that are happening all across the world? Yeah, and one is that. More people tried short-term rentals than ever before during the pandemic, which is a great opportunity for this industry, was a great opportunity to introduce people to the sector and all the ways that a short-term rental may be a better form of accommodation for super for certain types of travel. Travel with your family, with large groups, uh, longer-term stays. So if you're staying for a week or more, of which I mean, half the stays on Airbnb are for a week or longer. Uh, so it's and a big piece of the pie is people and having these longer term stays. The other sort of trend is that we're seeing less investment in hotels. We're seeing weakness across the commercial property sector. Uh, we're seeing higher lending and impacting new hotel, uh, higher lending costs impacting new hotel investment. And like, me, as I know you have, have seen the sort of lodging industry evolve over the decades. I spent 10 years investigating hotels before I joined AirDNA. And something that was consistent year after year after year, and we saw it over a two, three, four, five, 10 decade sort of 100 year trend, is that overall demand for lodging is growing at about 2% a year. We are seeing investment in new hotels dropped to about one, one and a half percent now. So if overall demand for lodging is going to continue to grow at 2%, that's going to be have to be filled in with other forms like short-term rentals. And I do think short-term rentals are going to continue to gain share and, and eventually be in a much higher percent of overall lodging stays and overall revenues. Um, and that has many downstream implications for investment in this sector uh, and investor investment in lodging going forward. Well, thank you for playing my game, Jamie Lane, of the 12 major things that happened this year uh, that I wanted to cover in our podcast. And I wanted to close us out by asking you, you know, any predictions for next year that you want to share? Yeah. I'm 
there's lots of predictions on the industry uh, for which I will save for maybe our, our outlook report that's coming out this fall, uh, which uh, I know uh, we're already starting to uh, work on. We're going to have uh, more predict- predictions at a market level, uh, not just the national level, which will be exciting. But one thing, and this is <laughs> as an economist to predict something that you know it's going to happen, it's sort of a cop out. Uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, just the further ways like our platform is going to change. Like one thing I'm most excited about is like the MLS data coming in where AirDNA isn't just going to be used as a tool that for investigating and validating your investment decisions, it's going to be a tool that you use actually and find your next investment. And that putting that data along with the Homes available is just going to change the way people use the platform, and I, I think in a way for the better. I think it's going to make it much more sticky. I think it's going to create unbelievable value for our customers, given sort of the change in the, and cost of accessing the data. Um, and this is one of the big reasons why is for us to sort of, and reasons why we sort of made this change is for us to, I bring you all these, I opportunities. Um, and then show the data around those. We needed to open up and not make the, not restrict people to certain cities, but really give you sort of the the full view of what's happening out there. And I think this is just the next step in the evolution of the app. I am very excited as well. I look forward to deleting a certain bookmark from my um, internet browser and adding the AirDNA Explorer one so that I can spend my evenings poking around and seeing where in the world could I buy something that's going to add to my portfolio. So I share that with you. And I think this is a good stopping place for us. We have celebrated 52 episodes as of now. Happy first birthday, STR Data Lab. And I look forward to the next 52 and beyond. How about you? I do as well. I I know we've got some exciting guests coming up and some I, I can't announce yet, but we'll, <laughs> we have some of the biggest companies in the industry lined up as guests over the next couple of weeks that I, I know our listeners will be really excited to hear those interviews and I, I can't wait to have them. Oh, and I can't wait to hear them. Well, thank you, Pearly, for moderating this episode and for us digging into the trends. And thanks, listeners. Yep. See you next time. 